the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. It's the light like the storm hits the wind It's trouble in the air at night and there's blood upon your skin Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. Each episode, we welcome musicians, actors, comedians, authors, visual artists, filmmakers, anyone who creates art to talk about how and why we make stuff. This is episode 151, and our guest is Jared Dustin Griffin. Jared is a singer and songwriter who has undergone an incredible journey to get to this moment. His debut solo record, Battle Cry Mercy, will be released on November 17th, 2023, and it is one of my favorite albums of a packed year. He's battled homelessness, addiction, and mental health challenges, and those themes are dealt with in a gorgeous collection of songs. Everyone, this was an absolute blast, and it is my pleasure to bring you my conversation with Jared Dustin Hello? Hey, buddy. Hey, Jason. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I got my wrong. Bear with me just a second. Sorry, but I got the wrong... Mike, I really appreciate all your flexibility. I am uh, got back into teaching and uh, middle it's report card time, and uh, that shit is exhausting, man. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I have some friends that are teachers, and yeah, report card time. I, you, you parenthetically said that, and I'm like, I know what that's like. Not firsthand experience, but I have friends. I know how stressful report card time is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it sucks, man. It's like this is this school is cool because they do things differently. They like um instead of just like reducing kids to a number and a letter, yeah. The the report cards are really extensive. So we like go through different standards and we talk about whether or not they mastered those standards and all this stuff and then we give them like in you know proficient or you know, oh, here we go. Here that sounds go. great for the student, way more work and stress for you. Way more work for me. But I mean, you know, that's why we do it, right? We do it for the kids. For the so kids, like, exactly. um, so yeah, do I sound better now? Did that change at all? No, it's, you've sounded great the whole time. From oh, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Dude, thank you. I have been wearing out your record. Um, awesome, man. Just like singing its praises and wearing it out. And I'm really excited to dive into it. So thank you for yeah, making this beautiful too. piece of art. And thank you for your time, man. Thank you, dude. Thank you for, man, I've been listening to your podcast. I got into your podcast, uh, I want to say about a year ago. And awesome. uh, yeah, and I, yeah, and I've loved it. I've been listening to it. I've spent the summer in Nashville and was listening to it. But once I knew I was going to be on, I went back and listened to a bunch of episodes. So I'm like, I, I, you researched me. I researched you. So, oh, that means a lot to me, man. It makes a difference. It, 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 it makes a difference to hear that, first of all, right? People whose yeah. art I respect are listening to the art that I'm making, too. And then yeah. um, it just means a lot that folks who make stuff are listening because that's part of the whole thing, right? Is that I do oh, this yeah. to talk about process. So, 
And you're such a damn good writer, man. That uh, that marinade moment on Steve Earle was like, I probably this, yeah, it might be my favorite thing you've done. And it's just because I'm Steve Earle's also on my Mount Rushmore, and just yeah, you're that just it's such a beautiful piece of writing. And uh, yeah, thank you, God, dude, you just made my day. Oh, I I'm so glad you said that. I I wrote that piece a while ago, you know, and so like I feel like I'm a much better writer now. But also one of the things that, and this would be a good jumping off point. One of the things that was interesting about going back and re- reading that piece and then reading it on mic um, and then commenting on it was I am really proud of it. And I'm I'm grateful that you said what you said about it. But I also recognize that some of the crispness of it, some of like the uh, the imagery that's in there, some yeah. of that was the fact that I was writing a lot back then. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. a ton. And I'm, I, I think I'm overall a better writer now. But I'm not writing things as consistently good as that now because I'm I'm just not writing as much. Does that make sense? Uh, I think I'm literally going through the exact same creative output right now. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. That's uh, that's how I feel with all these songs. I'm yeah. So I'll get into that. But these songs are all a few years old. I've already written the next three, four records. So it's Shit. so I had to go back and listen to this one a bunch over the last month. And like, yeah, I'm still into these songs. I still can write this. <laughs> You know? Man, that's great. Okay, so let's talk about that then. Three or four more records is a wild thing, because um, this thing is awesome, dude. And uh, I got a chance to go back and listen to. I wasn't familiar with your work really until I dove into this record, and so then I went back and listened to some of the other stuff you put out, and it's all great too. And so I, I'm interested in this batch of songs here. It is that the time that we're talking about, like where you were really putting out a writing a lot working yeah, a lot yeah this this is some of those songs from a very productive time period which um I'm sure there's a lot of songwriters out here that can share this sentiment um the pandemic uh pandemic happened and after the first few weeks of you know um thinking the world was ending which we're approaching that but <laughs> oh it was actually kind of probably coincided with once the unemployment kicked in Mm. Um, I realize, oh, okay, wow, I don't have to worry about money. Don't have to worry about going to work. I've always wanted to be a paid songwriter. That, And so that's what I treated that time as such. And so probably starting around, yeah, uh, March, uh, no, it started March 16th. So probably sometime mid-April uh, when unemployment kicked in, um, I started, yeah, waking up every morning, writing, going, get coffee. And I treated it Monday through Friday as a job. And I did that all summer and it stayed pretty consistently on through all of 2021 as well. I love that so much. I, because I think, you know, that's the key right there, right. Is having the at least relative financial security, uh, of like, you know, like having being just knowing you're not, if you know, you're going to be able to eat and pay your bills, hopefully. Um, I, those periods of time where I've had time and I can get up and do the work, are incredibly um, fruitful. And for me, the pandemic, I've talked a lot about on the show about how the pandemic was really good for me creatively, that I was like getting up to write because I had time, you know, I had the time. And I thankfully, during that time, at least, um, was not only getting paid, but I got a raise. And so it was like, oh, wait, yeah, like my guy, I had fewer responsibilities and more money. And so I I was writing a fuck ton back then because- That's the dream right there. That's the dream. Right? So- but I mean, for you to get there, though, and I think when you listen to these songs, you hear what I hear is 
a lot of, and I'm not just saying this because the press release says it. I hear like someone who's been through some shit and who is yeah. coming out the other side better. But I'm I'm interested in how you got to that point. So you you're incredibly productive during that time. But let's back up a little bit if we can and just sort of talk about like what was what was the the sort of the early moments of you recognizing that you were a creative person and like what was going on in your life at that time? Ooh, um, probably yeah, a real young age. Uh, I only kind of ever wanted to be five things. And the fifth one was a songwriter. And that uh, I came to when I was probably about 16 or 17. Um, what were those you know, other things? Uh, I can just bust through them real fast. First thing was a Ghostbuster. Uh huh. Ghostbuster, and then I wanted to be a baseball player, uh-huh. then a basketball player, then an actor, and then songwriter. Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. Maybe not Ghostbuster, but I didn't name that high. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think I was a Ghostbuster for Halloween three, four, five, and six. <laughs> yes. Committed. Yeah. Dress for the job you want. Yeah, and so uh, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think I knew I was a creative type back then um and then when music finally and i grew up no one in my family really plays music but i mean i grew up with you know the beatles and the stones on vinyl all the time but never is like oh that's part of the wallpaper of my existence and it wasn't until uh yeah 16 uh i heard bob o'reilly not for the first time but it just kind of like hit my brain and all of a sudden the like i saw the world in color then I was obsessed with the who and that led back to the Beatles and Stones and um, then Neil Young and I was still in high school and then all roads kind of led to Dylan and mm. got to Dylan. It was like, there's, I'm like, I don't even know why I would pursue songwriting when I already see what I perceived as the greatest songwriter ever. Mm-hmm. But I just had was so much emotion, like I was crying all the time listening to Dylan and you know all those guys. And then I was like, well, what am I doing in school? Like nothing that I wanted to be doing. And so basically, uh, that's when I was like, all right, well, I'm going to and I wasn't even good. At, I couldn't barely play guitar when I graduated high school. And I was like, oh, it's a pretty late start. Everyone, you know, and the Beatles were already famous. Mm-hmm. Um, I could write pretty good, but I, I didn't know what to do with all those emotions that music just, I became addicted and I haven't lost that addiction since and, or the hunger. So were those emotions, something that were present and you just didn't have an outlet for, or, or were, was music drawing it out of you and like from a different place? I think that it was already in me. Um, and I think I, I saw some of that in acting because mm-hmm. I mean, I used to take, uh, summer acting classes, Shakespeare, classes um and then just like kind of i think when i was a sophomore in high school i was doing like the acting exercises that i used to love doing when i got into acting and then i i just felt nothing and i was like oh i don't think i want to do this anymore Mm. and i think whatever 16 year olds a lot of them don't know what they're doing but i think i spent three months being like oh i don't want to do acting anymore i don't know what to do and then bob o'reilly came on and then my life was yeah determined from there Okay, so then you're you're seventeen, eighteen, and you know you you don't play guitar very well as you as you said, uh, but you kind of have this sense that like this has got to be at least a part of your life. Did you have a feeling that this has got to be 
Like this is ultimately my goal career wise, or did you? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. Immediately. So, I was like, I don't, I just want to be a songwriter. That's all I want to do. I want to devote my entire life to the craft of songwriting. So where'd you go from there? That's a, that's a kind of a, cause I think that can be a really heady thing for people when you decided to take on something like that, where in a society that doesn't necessarily always reward that or encourage people to take that route where what was the next step and what was like your mindset yeah that's where uh the journey began difficult <laughs> became difficult mm-hmm. um especially i didn't have a lot of support from uh family and friends because i couldn't really play and i totally heard what they meant and i was like oh maybe you should uh hold on to a job or something while you till you you know, you know cut your teeth a little bit more but uh I I just went all in and I'd been doing that. Like when I wanted to be a basketball player and I was like eight years old, I used to sleep with my basketball in my bed, that sort of thing. So I started sleeping with my guitar. Um, and yeah, that started the journey of being like a vagabond. Uh, I'm like, oh, well, Dylan went to New York when he was about this age. I'll go to New York. So I lived in New York for a year. And then, you know, I was obsessed with Don't Look Back, that documentary. I'm like, oh, I'll go to London. So I lived in London for a year. And then Ultimately, I always kind of ended up back where I'm from, which I was born and raised in San Francisco, Hmm. just because where it was easy for me to stay on couches and find odd jobs. But, you know, I also slept in a lot of parks. Um, Just I'm like, if I need to get good, I thought I was getting a late start. I was holding the guitar 12 hours a day, every day for those first few years, um, just trying to be brave enough to play an open mic. So, okay. And I can totally relate to part of that. That's the, you know, wanting to be brave enough to play an open mic. It took me many, many years to get up and, and play my songs, but I wasn't nearly as dedicated to the to songwriting as you clearly were. But it, when you live a, an itinerant life like that, it's, it's not, you don't have a chance to sit down and go, go get the cup of coffee and then sit down at the desk and do the work. So what did that look like for you then like process wise then compared to say now what it looks like? Um, well, yeah, then it was wild. Cause I mean, and I've heard other songwriters on your podcast say that you have to write like a thousand bad songs to get to the one. So that's what I was doing. And I was so young. I was able to kind of write those bad songs anywhere and everywhere, whether it be like on someone's couch or like, parks or on the bus i could just i was writing so much none of it was very good most of it was Mm -hmm. probably pretty bad but i was yeah the process in my 20s was write all the time and then hopefully something would be like oh this is kind of better than those other 800 songs so i'll work on this one and give it more attention do you think there was something about because i hear you say how you listen to dylan and you go like well how why even try? A lot of people feel that way, right? Where you hear somebody yeah. like Dylan, you're like, I'm never going to get there. Um, you hear somebody like the Beatles or the who, and you're like, well, I'm never going to get there. Do you think there was maybe something to that being your musical education that like, I don't know, was uh, oppressive in some way? Because I, I think that I know that feeling of like, well, I read somebody's uh, for me, it would be somebody's music journalism. I'm Marissa R. Moss, for example. Yeah. And I think like, you know, or uh, Stephen Deusner. And I go like, well, man, I am so far away from Stephen Deusner right now. I am so far away from Marissa R. Moss. How am I ever going to get there? Did, was there a feeling of that at all at that time that might have like, I don't know, contributed to the thousand songs not being as as good as, as quickly as possible? 
Uh, yes, but I think the bar was set so high. I mean, I wasn't joking when I said I cried a lot. I mean, I would, you know, I'd put on records and I would cry myself to sleep. It started like as like, oh, it's so beautiful. And then when I really went all in on wanting to be a songwriter, it was like, I'll never get to this point. I'll never reach that plateau. Um, and so, no, it was oppressive for sure. But I think it drove me. It probably led to some really bad thought patterns that I'm still dealing with today. Um, so, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was a double-edged sword for sure. I think it drove me to be better than I could have been, but, you know, unreachable, unattainable goals, ultimately. Um, and I was, I guess what helped me was going to open mics, being like, well, look at all these other people that are going forward and they're not anywhere near this bar that I've set for myself. So if they can go for it, I can go for it. Where, like, at what point did you finally get up and play? Like, how long did that take and what did it take to get there? Um, Probably just a couple of years. Um, okay. And yeah, the couple of years of just holding the guitar 12 hours every day, like doing nothing but just trying to work at writing. Wow. Um, so for a couple of years, though, you're kind of bouncing around and playing constantly, but you still haven't gotten up to play your songs for anybody. Uh, I played a couple of open mics. Okay. Um, okay. Definitely. I played a few, but I wasn't like a regular at any. It was, and if I was like in a random town, I'm like, Oh, I'll go. No one knows me here. So it's okay. If I will never see me again anyway, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you, you end up back in San Francisco. How old are you then when you had gone to London and then to New York? uh yeah so i guess that was probably around like 24 okay so you're still incredibly young right so you're yeah. still like very young and still trying to figure it all out so from there where did you go like you come back home because home can be and san francisco is a little different i guess in some ways but home can be that thing that just continues to i have a lyric in one of my songs that, that's this town will suck you in Right. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with it for sure. So, so how how do you keep it? How do you keep it from? How did you keep it at that time from sort of sucking you in? I started a band. Uh, by that point, I'd been doing it for about what four or five years on my own. I was like, all right, well, I'm still not great, but I'm better than I was, and I'd like to see what you know, bringing some other people on board. Uh, and so I did that, and that was great. Um, I grew and I, I wish I had done that sooner. Cause I think, uh, anyone that's like starting off as a songwriter, if you can get in a band, I think you'll grow exponentially faster than on your own. Um, mm. and so, yeah, that, I mean, that was a great period of my life. I just was growing so much and then also saw what success could look like in a small sample size in a regional capacity. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. This this is everything I thought I it would be. And uh, I'm going to keep doing this. And so, yeah, that just fueled the addiction. It, what did that what did that particular band look like in terms of like, uh, where are you playing? Are you playing re regular you're touring like you have a regional tour or anything like that? What did exactly, that look yeah. like? Um, we had to just start off playing in the uh, the Bay Area and kind of outside of California. 
and then got to a point where we yeah, we were touring nationally and had representation and booking and whatnot. Mm. But I mean, it was not where my heart was at. It was a lot of like, um, I mean, this kind of denigrates it, but just, yeah, just uh, blues rock basically, you know, and it wasn't where my heart was at, but, you know, I was in my twenties, the whole band was in their twenties. All of our friends were in their twenties. Everyone wanted to come out, dance, have a reason to drink. It was, it was whiskey fueled fun for the right age group. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but even at its height, I wasn't really proud of the work I was putting out. I'm like, this isn't where my heart is. Um, and so when the dust kind of settled on that, it was heartbreaking. Definitely. But I was just like, oh, well, back to the drawing board. I need to like kind of find the voice that can soothe some of this existential longing. And uh, yeah. All right. So I'm hearing kind of a theme here in terms of the, the what you just said was going back to the drawing board. It sounds like that seems to be at least early on in your career, as I'm hearing it, you 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 try to do the Dylan thing that doesn't exactly work the way you might have wanted to. You you end up back home. You start you're writing though. You're working hard. Uh, ultimately, you start this band. You you get the confidence to start the band. The band goes well, but maybe not exactly what you needed f- to fulfill. How do you keep going back to that drawing board? What are you drawing on to get to get back on the horse in those times when you kind of go through that transition? Um really good question um it's probably multiple answers um some healthier than others i guess the healthiest answer is just listening to the music that inspires me Mm -hmm. um and it's it's kind of crazy that the music that truly resonated with me then still hits me that way um uh unhealthy answer is i'm hyper competitive and that's something i'm working on in therapy and meditation and all that stuff now it's it's just part of me and i'm accepting that so i'm I'm able to work on that but back then it was yeah and uh, yeah it's i think it's a lot of thing it's yeah it's something that i think a lot of songwriters deal with and i don't hear enough said on podcasts you know and uh it's like oh i'm i want to mention that because i don't hear enough about the competition aspect of it and the resentment and all that it's all unhealthy it's all toxic but it's i mean i don't know how anyone chooses a life in any kind of artistic medium and not experience those emotions i haven't said it in a long time so i'm gonna go ahead and say it every time i try mark Marin's show every time i try to listen to it i think how come that motherfucker's the biggest podcaster in the world and I'm not on that level. And I can't help it. Like I listen to it and I go, I don't get it. I don't understand why he's so famous. I don't understand why I'm not more famous as a result. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'll be on record right now saying it. That I, I appreciate you saying that so much. I just got goosebumps <laughs> with you saying that. Because, <laughs> man, I mean, I, and I wonder how much of it is the sports thing, too. Like, I grew up an athlete. And so baseball was the only thing I thought I was going to do. Like, I was definitely going to play professional baseball, duh. And then, I, you know, I, playing basketball was a backup. And then I stopped growing. And I still had these delusions, right? I still thought I was going to keep going. And when the game went away, 
I, I didn't fill it with anything and it, and it, and I filled it with alcohol and I filled it with other destructive things. And I, it was much later that I found writing. And so that competitive spirit is a part of me, no matter what I do. And it's a weird joke. It's a kind of a weird dichotomy. I should say that like, you know, art shouldn't be competitive in the sense that it's, we're all making stuff and we all should be supporting each other, of course. And I think that's true. Like when I look at the personnel on this record, it's full of a bunch of my friends, by the way, and who are, you know, really great folks who are always rooting for each other. But at the same time, we're all competing for airtime, right? We're all competing for people's, people's ears. And it's tough. There's a lot of good stuff out there. I got a shelf full of records, you know, that, um, that are, that are good. And, um, and there's a whole bunch of people making podcasts, you know, I, I mean, I just shit on Mark Marin, but Joe Pug makes a hell of a show that's very similar yeah. to mine. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't blame somebody for t- tuning into Joe Pug instead of tuning into me. I, you know, I get it, but at the same time, I think I can hang with him, you know? Oh, and so, definitely. you yeah. know what I mean? So it, it is an interesting dichotomy and an inter- interesting way to think about art, especially as we think about trying to make a living from it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it too long, it's debilitating, right? And it's completely suffocating. And the cliche, what, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's totally true. But when you're going after it, it's hard not to, you know, I mean, there's successful archetypes, but then also what what works for one person won't work for another and vice versa. I mean, it's just, and then, so, I mean, yeah, you do it until you realize, and that's why a lot of people probably give up on it as well, you know, because mm. it's so competitive. Um, and then I guess it leads to perseverance, which, you know, what I think most of my themes are about, but definitely this record as well. Um, I mean, it's just funny because, yeah, it seems like there's just a lot of struggles that I write about. And, it, you know, and early it's like, oh, whiskey, you know, substance abuse struggles and then heartache struggles. And I just feel like since then it's mostly about like, wow, I'm still a songwriter, but not received the validation or recognition. I x-ray, which not good to want external that, but we all do. And so I feel like that's what most of my songs are about now. Yeah. OK, that's a perfect time to jump into the record then. Uh, and I think that what you just described is one of the many things that uh, resonates with me about this. So, I mean, it's it's a really it's a beautiful record, Battle Cry Mercy. There's I mean, it's top to bottom. You know, as soon as I tuned it, turned it in, I turned it on. I was like, I got to just let it play again. Like, I want to hear this another time. And um, I was just just crazy about it from from the jump. And I think that what you just described, that perseverance, that resilience is something that you know, has served me well, especially as I think about creativity, because there are other things that I think you age out of. I don't think, I don't personally believe you age out of making stuff. No. And uh, like, you know, and so I think that's one of the exciting things about it is that like, even in my forties, I feel like, Hey, I'm getting better at this. I'm getting better at this creative work and there's still opportunity for me. There's still outlets for me. It's not like I get, get to the end of my baseball career and that's it. There's, I I feel like I'll be, I know I'll be doing this kind of work in some capacity for the rest of my life. Right. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that theme running through the record, that, that perseverance, that resilience that, you know, we, we touched on it earlier, but that dusting yourself off and getting back up. Yeah, um, I think any, like I said, trying to, to backtrack a bit, just I think anyone that chooses a life in art is 
going to need to develop that muscle of picking yourself up and dusting yourself off. And, uh, I mean, I'm 39, um, been doing it for about 20 years and yeah, I I'm just as hungry now as I was then. Um, and I think what has kept me going on top of, yeah, the competitive psychosis, uh, and the love of music is that I've actually seen myself get better um, over the years. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm building to something, right? Um, maybe I'm fooling myself into that. I don't know. But that's how I feel. Like when all the lights are turned off and I'm with my thoughts, I'm like, I'm getting better. I need to stick with this. And I want to see how good I can get. Mm. Um, so this is a snippet of, yeah, a lot of the songs I've been writing over the last few years when you when you take that many songs you know being that prolific over the last few years and you think about putting them into a piece of work that's this cohesive and that's this beautiful like how much what did that process look like how do you go like these are the songs that go on this record it's a really good question and i thought that might come up so <laughs> obviously i guess with some of just my the way my writing naturally ebbs and flows mixed with some kind of luck i suppose um uh the producer that i kind of linked up with brian brinkerhoff who's based out of a uh, capitola santa cruz area we i recorded about 50 songs um in two different studio sessions and we were just kind of going through what our favorite ones were this and that and he's we didn't agree on all of them so he's like i want to work on these i'm like all right well i want to work on these and then and basically that's my winter of 2021 was spent just making various track listings of like four or five different albums, just mixing and matching, thinking which one, which, which group of songs could go best with them, the other ones. And uh, so it was kind of loose. And then I heard the rough mix back of Howlin' and I knew that I wanted that song to build. And when I heard the, the, the drumming in the, the, where the song climaxes, it's just a light bulb went off. I kind of had a beautiful mind moment. I was like, whoa, all right. Yeah, obviously war, war theme, battle, struggle, perseverance. And then I just started seeing the song titles that I thought would go with it. And from there, it all just came together. There's a, I mean, there's a little bit of war theme kind of overall, of course, right? Yeah. Like oh, that, yeah, is, yeah. that is like, it is so interesting how, how much when I first listened to it, and it's called Battle Cry Mercy. Like I probably should have picked up on that theme a lot earlier, but the first time I listened to it, it, it didn't hit me for whatever reason. Um, that that theme ran through it, and then I think it was probably the second time I listened to My Name Is Cannonball, and then I started really paying much more attention. And then as you look at it, I mean, even the the titles, you know, bleed yeah. you away, for example. Um, and God, as I'm looking at it, dude, there's so many great songs on here. I really um, appreciate that, That's... dude. Yeah, it's I, it's I've been really lucky lately too that I've you know I've received a lot of opportunities to listen to great records, and then I've been seeking out great records as well as I always do. Um, and I, I got to say, man, that yours stands out to me among all the records I've I've listened to this year. Wow, that really yeah, you made my day with that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, there's a few kind of songs that jump out at me and I wonder if we can just kind of lightning round sort of talk yeah, about yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and bottle on the stove is one. Um, and I'm curious about the process of, of writing that song. If you remember the time and how it came together. Uh, I kind of do. Yeah. It's actually funny. Um, that's an older song, the oldest song on the album. 
I uh, wrote that years ago um, and basically just kind of recorded it because uh, as I was in the studio, I was like, wow, this is all just endless downers. I need and that song is also a downer lyric. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, but I need I need something toe tap ish right. on, on this record. And so I just kind of threw that didn't even allow for like an instrumental break, you know, so they didn't think it was going to be just kind of a palate cleanser in the studio and uh brian was like oh this has to be on the record and so yeah and so and then i heard and then we talked about it and then it, it came to life and i was like you're right this works and yeah so it's just a murder ballad but i'm basically murdering myself with substance abuse and uh and it fit the theme for me at least so yeah and that's the next single which is released this friday so Oh, awesome. I'm going to try to turn this around tomorrow. So folks should hopefully be listening to this right, right before or right about the time that the, oh, okay. well, the album comes on the 18th. So, and yeah, so no rush cool. on that. Cool. Well, yeah, that, and I'm just excited to, I, I'm excited to spread the word. You know, I want people to, to I'm hear so about excited it. to be on this podcast. I can't even <laughs> tell you. It's, yeah, this is great. Dude, you're firing me up. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, I skipped a question and cause we've talked a little bit about process, but we didn't get very granular. And as we were, as you were just talking about bottle on the stove, it made me think about, I'm curious about, especially as prolific as you've been lately in the last few years, that, that going to this, going to get a cup of coffee and sitting down. Could you talk a little more like on a more uh, kind of drilling down a little more on like a mechanics level, what that looks like for you? Is it a blank yeah. page and you're right. And like, what does it look like? Um, So I feel uh good when i read to deflect i guess immediately but to cite uh jeff tweedy who i know you're a fan of as well and his his book not his autobiography but his book how to write one song a day i read that and i was like wow this is a lot of how i go about it hmm. um so that's and, validating yeah well, it was very validating because yeah i revere him um and yes so basically just sitting with a guitar and strumming it until you strum a chord or you hum a melody that sticks with you and then compiling endless voice memos on our phones and then going back and hearing that and then hearing a mumble of something or hearing like one line. It was like, Oh, that's good. I'll just go down that rabbit hole. And so that's, yeah, that how it is on a granular level, how it looks for me, but just, yeah, but turning off all devices except for my phone for the voice memos that and all outside noise and just sitting and just working and really getting lost in that idea until okay. something starts to materialize. You know, I, and a few folks describe it that way. Um, certainly, you know, Tweety, I've definitely read his stuff and, uh, and I was inspired by it, especially when I, I read his autobiography and tried to do some of his exercises that he talks about, you know, in, yeah. in that book. Um, and it was helpful for me, but it's just so different from how I write. Yeah. And so I, I think, especially since I'm not really a songwriter, I mean, I write songs, but like, that's not my primary, uh, you know, focus in my creative work. Yeah. Right. I, I do it more. It's just like a challenge and something I enjoy. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to take on this as like a, an opportunity to try to write a little bit more like that, especially as I write, um, album reviews and show reviews. I've, I've done so many over the years that yeah. like, I, I don't want to repeat myself. And I felt like yeah. I was kind of getting to a place where I was repeating myself, um, yeah. you know? And so I think I'm going to try that kind of method, you know, in, um, 
like writing in a more lyrical style with those kinds of things. Because um, yeah. I think that might be fruitful. And I've heard uh, other songwriters on this podcast talk about, yeah, it's, I mean, it's about finding a balance, but the thing is like the balance is kind of always changing. And I have that, you know, sports competitive mindset, but so like, I can't, it's hard to like, you know, work when you're burnt out, but I like pushing myself to the point of a little, I'm burnt out and going a little bit further and then mm. putting it down is where I'm kind of at these days. Oh man, that just brings up a whole nother thing that I've been really dealing with. I tweeted about it last night, which is like, I'm kind of in a place in my life right now where I'm, I'm motivated to do things. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm doing a lot of things at the same time, but I always yeah. of course want those things to be really good. And I know me and I know I have to take time. I just have to, like, I'm, I've always been geared that way. I got to take a day off. I got to take two days off sometimes to just veg out, sleep a lot, read a book. And I haven't been doing that. And it caught up with me yesterday. And I'm really glad that I caught it though, because, you know, I, I, I think I, I am in one of those competitive zones right now where I just want to keep doing and doing and doing and doing, and eventually it catches up to you. Yeah. I love that Tweety in both of his books uh, promotes naps. And I was glad that someone yeah. said it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I can yeah. take a nap. I'm like, Tweety does it. I want to do it. Fuck like, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Tweety's out here doing, he's out here doing the Lord's work, validating yeah. all of our habits. Um, the As you know, we usually end on what you're getting down on. So that yeah. is the art that has you fired up right now. What's got you fired up right now? Oh, it's been a minute since I've gotten into anything new but this time of year there's definitely a handful of records that i always gravitate Mm. to wear the winter months better um tweety's solo record warm that came out in like 2017 that's a great winter record i saw him on that tour i saw him play i saw him play an in-store at park ave cds our tiny little uh, record store here in town and then i and then i saw him play like a full set at at the you know at the rock club oh it's fucking awesome man we're just packed in there between the records watching jeff tweedy play it's so captivating uh even solo it's uh, there there's moments where like he just plays just sort of he's just playing his guitar open he's not even like there's not even a chord involved sometimes it's just sort of like and and he makes it sound so beautiful and sometimes the lyrics are just nonsensical but they're not they're they're so full of life and it's just he truly is on a different level I could not agree more. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, yeah. I, my reverence for him is he's, yeah, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Um, that uh, Joanne and Newsome, Milk Eyed Mendered is a great winner record. Uh, Rayla Montaigne, Gillian um, mm-hmm. Welsh. Um, someone who you had on the podcast recently, Bella White. Um, both of her records are great winter records that I've been listening to. Yeah. And, yeah, that was a cool experience. She was great. Yeah, that was very cool, man. That was a great podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, dude, this record is great. It's also got really good friends of the marinade. Uh, Will Payne Harrison's involved. Is this? I guess that's his photo. That is, yeah, that's his. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, folks, check that. Check out the artwork too. Get you a physical copy. Uh, Van Plating played on it, of course. The Orange Blossom Queen, who's yeah. just my dear friend, and been on the show a couple times. Heather Little, who's like um, marinade yeah. adjacent. She's never yeah. been on, but like. She, Harry Klein mentioned her was singing her praises when you had him on. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so like, Stephen, oh, I love Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Prigmore too. Stephen Prigmore yeah. is a big, uh, they're, they're buddies and he's a big fan. She's, just... she's all over my next record too. Oh, cool. She's great, man. I got to get her on the show. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So this record's beautiful. And Thank you I so just... much. I want to also go on record saying I love your podcast, and this podcast is every bit as good as the working songwriter. So oh my goodness. I, well, thank you. you said that, not me. I, I have yeah. so much respect for Joe. Someone had guys, to say but... it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, dude. This has been awesome. Thank you so it's much. Great, Jason. I really appreciate it. All right, bud. Have a, have a great night, Jared. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Later. Jared Dustin Griffin, y'all. Thank you so much, Jared. Thanks all of you for listening. JaredDustinGriffin.com for all things Jared. The song you're hearing in this episode is Bottle on the Stove from his wonderful record, Battle Cry Mercy. Go get a physical copy, everybody. It is absolutely outstanding, as I have gushed about repeatedly. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, Spoutable, Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon. All the things. Uh, Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. Go do that now while you're listening, please. It makes a huge difference for us and costs so little of your time. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just two bucks a month, y'all. You can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life. Uh, our show what we're getting down on which is this wonderful experience i have with my great friend peter haroldson where we talk about the art that has us fired up at the moment each month y'all you can try a free trial of patreon and see if you like it no pressure try it for seven days set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel and keep going if you dig it if you want to support the show financially but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription i totally get that you can venmo or paypal us it's just at the marinade All the money goes right back into the making of the show. We're planning a bunch of cool stuff. We're going to go to Orange Blossom Review with my great friend and collaborator, Jen Ross. Uh, We've got so many other things on our mind in the new year, and every little bit helps, y'all. Above all, though, just thank you so much for listening and spreading the word about the marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.